Hello, I'm Alex Mansfield, the host of Manny Talk Shooting, and welcome to another episode. This is the shooting podcast where I talk to individuals all across the shooting industry. We'll talk competition, self-defense, concealed carry. If you like this content, check out our YouTube channel, Manny Talk Shooting. And without further ado, let's get to this episode. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Manny Talk Shooting, the shooting podcast on the internet because I enjoy this hobby slash punishment that I put myself through every week. But I do it for you and I do it for me, so it's okay. Um, let's plug the title sponsor of the podcast, the Go Fast is Less Suck is, uh Go Fast Don't Suck. Uh, as you know, Bill is actually making new banners. He wanted me to ri- remind you all that he's offering a new banner material type, and it's a mesh banner. So go check them out. I'm going to get some new ones. We're going to test them out and see how they do. But go check them out. They should be on the website. But they've got your decals, your dry fire targets, um, hoodies, hats, whatever you need, and the hurtful, truthful memes on the internet. So check them out. GoFastDon'tSuck.net. Move on with your day. Tell them Manny sent you. But without further ado, we're here. We're finally at 100 episodes. Now, this is where, like, all the fireworks explode and all that shit, but it's the 100th episode, and we're here with my good friend, Mr. Andrew Hyder. Andrew, how are you doing today, brother? Good, man. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you for making time out of your busy, crazy life to sit down and do a podcast with me. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. No problem. And we're going to have fun. And for you listeners, um, you probably don't know. You should all know who Mr. Andrew Hyder is. But so, but for the people who don't know you, brother, who are you and how did you get into shooting? So uh, I'm kind of a jack of all trades kind of guy. So um, when I was really little, I had an obsession with toy guns, but I was really hyper. Um, like I was on Ridlin until I was like 10 or 11. Like I was really hyper. <clears throat> and so I didn't grow up in a house with guns. My dad had, I think, one. Uh, my dad's dad, my grandfather had a few, but it was never anything that we did as a family. Um, but I actually found motorcycles pretty early in life. Um, and that was actually my, that was my fill of, uh, of a sport in a sense. I wasn't big enough to play football and baseball was boring and there was nothing else in school that excited me, but motorcycles did. It didn't matter how big or small you were. It was what you were capable of doing on the motorcycle. And so we just became the motorcycle family. I started riding with my dad recreationally and then that turned into racing um i was fortunate enough to do that for a living for probably i want to say five or six years um and then i was in my mid-20s when i quit racing and was like okay i I gotta get a big boy job so i started wrenching uh i was a tech actually when i quit racing and i was just toying around on youtube one weekend whatever and i found a video somehow of a three-gun match and i'm like that's racing with guns. Like that's literally what that is. It's just racing with guns. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta find more out about this. So just through trial and error, ended up talking to a local match director and, um, ended up buying some guns from, um, local gun store. And then, uh, that evolved into, the competitive world, which then revolved in 13 years ago. That's a uh, long time to actually be in the sport. You know, when you think about it, most people get out of the sport within like three or four years. Yeah. So you've been in for the long haul. You've seen a lot of, probably a lot of changes throughout the sport too, from, you know, different ideologies and, you know, and even in then equipment technology has changed so greatly since then too. Yeah. you could definitely say that like when I first started shooting I remember the first match I went to go watch it was like everybody 
there were, I shouldn't say everybody, but, you know, Glocks were super popular. Everyone was either shooting production or, you know, limited with a Glock 35. Um, you know, there were some of these, some of you guys may not even know this, but, you know, Glock did that six inch 40 cal gun, a 24 for a period of time. So you'd see the occasional Glock 24 rolling around there. And it literally looked like you were shooting a, a rifle. It was so long. Um, but um, to see the sport evolve from polymer frame guns to steel frame guns, even striker fired steel frame guns, um, the new now carry optics has basically destroyed production. Uh, limited optics is starting here in a week. So it's it's definitely been interesting to see the sport evolve into what it is now. Oh, 100%. And I think it's about time we've added and we've evolved the the sport, I feel, you know, because when carry optics first came in, well, at least it's rumor because I wasn't around then. But, you know, everyone's like, oh, no one's <laughs> going to no one's going to shoot this. No one's going to want to put a dot on their gun and look at it now. It's taken 40 percent of the sport into one division. And when it first started, it was a 10 round division. It was basically production optics. It was 10 rounds with a red dot. And I was like, I actually thought the same thing. I'm like, man, why, why is anybody going to put, you know, put a red dot on a production gun? Like who's going to do that? And sure enough, like locally, there was a bunch of guys that did it. And I'm like, I, I guess I just didn't understand it. And then when they changed the rules and it basically went to one forties, it was like, okay, that makes sense now. You know, that means it's a lot more about shooting um, and having, in my opinion, more fun. See, 10 rounds and reloading is not fun for me. I'm just too high strung. Like, I just, that's just me. Yeah, you, you just want to rip the trigger. And I mean, you, sir, your trigger finger should be uh, like illegal. It, it's almost like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know that it needs to be illegal, but it's not fair. It's an unfair advantage. There's no competitive equity in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can do 09s and 10s on demand. So that's, I think that's normal, isn't it? I mean, maybe for your five, top 3% of the sport. <laughs> I mean, because you, I haven't ever done an 08. I, yeah. I will say you are, you are not just the well, top five. You are definitely in that top percentage that can and will be a national champion. So. Uh, I, I am uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not done yet. Even at my age, I think, uh, I think especially <clears throat> over some of the changes that happened for me in the last year, a lot of different things have come into perspective. Um, my whole view on approaching shooting is a lot different now than it was even a year, year and a half ago. And uh, I definitely think I still have fuel in the tank. I know there's fuel in the tank and I know I have the ability of, of winning a title before I hang up uh, competing. Well, you know, that's a great kind of segue of what I wanted to talk about. You, you know, you're now a newly minted dad. Well, you little, little guys over a year old now. How have you been able to, you know, you, you work a full-time job, you shoot as much as you can, and you're still trying to raise a family. How has, the, you know, the dichotomy really changed for you over the years? Um, so when I first started shooting, you know, I was – in a relationship, but, you know, wasn't married, hadn't, didn't have kids. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't in a responsible role that I am now with work. So, um, you know, I basically was, a, uh, I worked eight hours a day, five days a week, and I did whatever I wanted with my free time. So, I mean, when I first found out about the sport and first started in the sport, I mean, I was hard, hard at it. I was, I was not in the same financial position I'm in now. So I couldn't afford to shoot a lot, but I was dry firing two hours a day, six days a week. I was trying to shoot a club match every weekend that I could. And now it's completely different. I don't have that available time. 
Um, you know, I work 60 hours a week now instead of 40. Um, I have, like you just mentioned, my, my son, Jack's just turned one, um, on the 14th. So over the last year of balancing work and work has been progressively getting worse. So, and what I mean by that worse is not in a bad way. <clears throat> um, so I work in the firearms retail industry. I work for a rather large independent retailer. And a few years ago, we became an ESOP company, which for those of you that don't know what that stands for, it's um, employee stock option program. Uh, so the owners of the company actually sold it to the employees. And we are in that buyout phase right now. And so we have a day-to-day -day operations guy that's replacing the owner. Um, but when it came to what his role was from the purchasing side, I am replacing him. So like I do all of the firearms and optics buying for our company. And so we have four retail locations. We have an internet division that operates under a different name. I'm opening another store in September, October of this year. The plan is to open another one, hopefully first quarter, end of first quarter, beginning of second quarter next year. So we're trying to grow and we got to get that, uh, we got to get that big number paid off to, uh, to get our shares up there. So, uh, but with that happening, um, there wasn't a lot of time to train. You know, little man eats dinner at night and clean up the kitchen and he gets a bottle and goes to bed. And by that time, it could be 930. And when the alarm clock goes off at five in the morning, the last thing you want to do is go put a gun on. But you find the time to go do it for 15, 20, 30 minutes and you just deal with it. It's um, it's just part of life. If you can go on an, a little less sleep and you get the result on the weekend, then it was worth the sacrifice. Mm hmm. But the big part for me is having a good life partner. Christy is a phenomenal mom partner. Uh, she, she understands that I still have goals that I want to achieve. She knows how I'm built. She knows how I'm wired. Um, I mean, she, there'll be times where I've had a horrible day. It was a shit show at work and I'll come home and she's had a rough day with him and we get him settled and I'll, I'm like, all right, I'm going to sit down and drink a bourbon. And she's like, nope, you're going to go dry fire. Like, so having that support system behind you, that's like, if you want a bourbon, that's fine, but you need to go dry fire for 15 minutes before you can have it. So having that has been a huge, huge help in my success as a shooter. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it's nice to have that partner who's backing you, who you, who is excited to even go to the matches with you. It's like, it's like, let's go. We're, we're going to go. We're going to have fun. Uh, yep. And it, which is pushing you because sometimes you'd be like, no, I'm going to stay home this weekend instead. And then you're like, and she's like, well, hell no, this is my plans. After, uh, and I'm sure we'll probably get back to it or get to it at some point here, but uh, I'm going to jump around. But like, you know, Jax was born in April of last year and I switched gun builders after area three last year. I believe that was like August timeframe. And um, so once we got through kind of getting the gun set up for me, um, we went to Tennessee, the whole family did. I mean, Jax was basically, you know, <clears throat> not even six months old and he's in Tennessee hanging out at the range, got eyes and ears on, got a little fan there. And he's just a happy little dude. Like he could care less if guns were going off around him. Mm -hmm. I, and he was pretty much hanging around. Cause I remember seeing a picture with Christy holding him on with the little, the swaddle thing. <laughs> So Jax was born in April and in the beginning of May where, and we're headed into the same time frame. Um, she actually came out to Buckeye blast last year and had him in a wrap up against her chest, eyes and ears on actually he slept through like 
almost half the match, like just on her chest, just slept through like half of it. Like, I mean, and open guns are loud. You know, you've got an open gun. And he was within 30 feet of open guns going off and he never flinched. It was, it's kind of crazy. Well, and it's nice. He's, you know, get comforted by mom, but yet still just sleep through was pretty freaking awesome at that age. Oh yeah. It was, it was really cool. It was cool. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, you, you brought it up. So I guess we can dabble into it. You know, you switched builders back in, uh, yeah, August, August timeframe. And, uh, you're, you're now with MPA, which, I think we've talked personally and you're really excited to actually be part of that because you really get to, you've sculpted and helped David mold these guns to what they are now hitting the market. Yeah. So, you know, I was with infinity for seven years, just shy of seven years prior to my departure. Um, so when I left them, it was on my own accord. I, I made the decision to leave that situation. I wasn't happy um, I, I don't feel that they were happy and there, there was just no point in continuing that relationship. I, I was originally going to ride my contract out. Um, I was, my, my contract expired December 31st and I was originally just going to ride it out. And even if they offered me one for this year, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to re up with them. I was going to do my own deal. Um, and then there was a lot of things I'm not going to get into them, but there was a lot of things that transpired last year. And there was one final one that I just, I, I, I couldn't handle that anymore. So I, I decided to, to leave and it was not long after I sent my resignation letter that I actually got the phone call from Phil. Um, I had talked to Phil plenty in the past. Um, we carry their products in our stores. So I have a working relationship with Phil. Uh, so I, I was not expecting that phone call when I got it, but um, it was perfect timing. Um, honestly, it was. And then, like you said, you know, I, uh, after talking to him and talking to David, David put a gun together and sent it to me and was like, be brutally honest. You know, I've gotten it to this point, but, you know, I would love some help getting it past this point. And we took that gun from the original setup that he had to the production setup today in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, that gun won. Tennessee on Saturday and he won Carolina. I can't remember if it was North or South Carolina sectional on Sunday. So we won two majors same weekend back to back all within a month of getting the gun up to race pace. That's pretty, that's pretty fantastic. And I know a lot of people now have found onto the MPA um, line and there are now a lot more MPA open guns out there in the market and they love them. I mean, I got to play with, I don't think I, I don't actually I don't think I've seen yours in person yet, but I got to play with another local guys who has one um, and they're great feeling guns. Um, it's quite interesting, you know, picking up different my gun to their gun. And it's like they're both heavy, but the, yep. the weight is is completely different in uh, the MPA to to my custom build. Yeah, you have a, a long full dust cover mm -hmm. and we run a short dust cover with a butler cut. Um do you have a tie comp on your gun? Yes. Yeah. So you have a tie comp. We run steel comps. And when it, I, I was a little skeptical about that at first, every gun I had ever shot prior to had a titanium comp on it. And I'm like, you know, the gun's going to dip. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. But I kind of, I had a conversation with Travis and Travis actually gave me a little, gave me a little pep talk. And he was like, you know what you're used to shooting, but he was like, just go into it with an open mind. And he was like, at that point, you can just dissect what you like and don't like or what you think needs to be changed and let's address it. 
and they were very open to a lot of constructive criticism. It was, it was a very enjoyable process for me to be a part of that. Yeah. And it's nice to see the gun is today and a lot of people shooting it. Um, MPA was what fortunate last year to host, uh, was the title sponsor for what race gun nationals. Yep. And a lot more people got to see the product there as well. Um, <clears throat> we got guns on display. They brought ammo. I can't remember how many thousands of rounds of ammo that they brought from outdoor dynamics. Um, they had, um, carry guns. They had standard commander guns with full size grips. They had DS nine hybrid guns. They had open guns. They had uh TT 40 cal limited guns there. So it was kind of nice to see how much interaction uh, the competitive shooting world was into wanting to at least get behind one to see how they how they felt, how they shot, how they ran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it probably makes it a lot easier to when you get the product out into, into the consumer's hands a lot like at a nationals instead of everyone wanting to see your gun at a safe table at a match. And it's just I mean, of course, you're going to. It's one of those things like, yeah, you can play with it. But it, it's a sample size of one when you, or then you can just see the whole lineup at, at like a match like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, I can't think back to, I mean, again, I've been in this sport 10 ish years, I think, um, about 10 years. And I can't think of ever getting the opportunity at a major to test drive a 2011. I, I just don't recall. Um, now it may have happened. And I wasn't there, but I just, I don't recall ever being that, having that opportunity being like, Oh, there's a gun here and some ammo come shoot it. Other, you know, Glock would do that or CZ would do that at nationals. I've seen that happen a few times, but never like an actual true race platform. Right. Well, and even, I think I remember from talking to people who went to nationals um, I think David was helping people with guns if they had gun issues or, or even somebody yep. at the table there. It's like, that's kind of hard to beat from a title sponsor of a match, you know? We had, um, um, Chase Reigns, uh, one of my buddies from out West, he, uh, had a buddy who his gun went down, like down, down, down for the count and came up to me and was like, Hey, I've got a buddy and his gun went down. And I mean, I think this was at the beginning of day two. So he got through the first day, but there were still two days left of shooting. And he was like, you have a backup gun. I was like, I do but I don't normally let people shoot my guns, not because I'm like, Oh no, you can't shoot them. Um, but I run ridiculously light triggers and most people that aren't used to that, it's, it could be catastrophic. So I'm like, but hang on. And so I ran over to the table and I was like, Hey, Phil, we've got a guy gun went down. Can he borrow one of these guns? And so I was like, yeah, take it. So I literally bagged the gun up, took it over to the safe area, handed it to him with three mags and was like, here you go, finish it out. And that's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, your triggers are ridiculously light. I mean, they are very nice triggers, but I would they're not, not that light. <laughs> no, they're not sneeze light, but they definitely have their own characteristics. I mean, when you when you measure them in ounces instead of pounds, I mean, I guess they can be light, but I like them to be just under a pound. Mm-hmm. But how long have well? So you think about how long have you been in open shooting a twenty eleven? I think I shot like a production in a limited match, like maybe a half a dozen times. And then I went right to open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, see, so you've got plenty of time in behind that style of mechanics. And it, so it, that weight is not unrealistic for someone of your level. <laughs> if I could get it. I, so Cody Baker is a name that I don't know. A lot of you guys know that name, but Cody was phenomenal at doing action jobs on 2011s. And I remember 
at one point in time, he was running like a 10 or an 11 ounce trigger and it ran like, I never saw that gun hammer follow. Um, but he would run a really, really light trigger. Mm-hmm. Like it was light enough that it scared me. Yeah. You know, and I haven't heard that name in a while. Has, did he stop shooting or is he taking a back burner? I mean, he did step away from the sport for a period of time. And um, I've talked to him here and there. He's, I don't think he's got the bug yet, um, but he definitely, you know, he's a prior national champion and he's won plenty of area matches and, and um, state championship sectionals. Um, I don't think he's done. Cody was one of those guys that had a ridiculously strong work ethic and I have been in his position a couple of times where you get so burnt out. You don't want to put the gun on. Like you just don't like you find excuses to not do it. And I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it in the morning. And I don't want to say he lost the drive, but you, without a break, you, you do experience being burnt out. And he would, I think he's just, he was just burnt out. I think after a good break, he's going to hit the reset button. And when he comes back, I mean, Cody was the guy that really pushed everyone to start shooting on the move. In my opinion, I mean, people did it before, but Cody mastered it. That kid would shoot. He would shoot shit on the move that I'd struggle to shoot posted up. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. So he, he was definitely, um, and will be a contender whenever he gets back in the sport. Well, that's good to hear. Cause yeah, he, his name does come up from time to time. Um, so if you guys don't know who Cody Baker is, go look him up. You might find some videos of him on the internet. Go look him up. He's uh he's something to watch. That's for sure. He won 2017 open nationals. And it was so funny because, you know, at the end of the year, most everybody, and I, when I say that I'm not speaking for everyone, but I know that, you know, a, a lot of the super squad guys, we have this conversation where after nationals, you might shoot a club match here or there, but for the most part, you put the guns down and take a break. Mm-hmm. And we had nationals in October of that year. I think it was October of 16. And they decided to have nationals in March for some unknown reason. So we were back in frostproof five months later. I know, I know. But, <laughs> and, and this was, <clears throat> this was word of mouth. I never asked him to confirm this. So this is not true 100% empirical data but there's a rumor that Cody shot 30,000 rounds of ammo in practice through the winter in Ohio. He lives close to West Virginia, shot 30,000 rounds of ammo in practice between nationals in 16 and nationals in 17. That's, that's a lot of ammo. Not only is it a lot of ammo, but it's a lot of ammo in the cold. Mm-hmm. Like that's dedication. So that was that was a lot of rounds yeah especially through the winter i I don't i mean you and i you know you live in ohio i live in michigan i don't want to go outside in the winter let alone go try to think about going and shooting outside i don't like to shoot if it's under 50 i'll just be honest with you like i got nothing to prove I, i just i don't like shooting if it's under 50 i'll do it if i have to but to have that drive to be out there when it's 30 and yeah that was that was insane but it showed he was so tuned up to like from the very first stage you knew he was going to be a force to be reckoned with and i don't think he had his first penalty until the end of day two yeah because we shot bm am pm and i think he had his first penalty 
at like the very end of day two. So he went through basically two thirds of the match before he had a penalty. And I remember JJ was standing there and I believe it was a mic and Cody like brushed it off. It was no big deal. He's like, there's plenty of match left. It's not that big of a deal. And JJ looked at Cody and was like, is that your first penalty? He, Cody's like, yeah, like it was just no big deal. We're all over here, like six penalties deep in two days. And he's like, yeah, it's just my first one. That's okay. That's okay. We're going to keep rolling on. That's oh. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is impeccable. Now, speaking of wins at majors, do you remember your first major match win? Um, my first major, yes, I do. It was um, it was Michigan sectional 2014. I almost won it in 2013, my first full year shooting. Uh, I came up there as an open master. Um, and there was kind of a stage where they, they trapped you into shooting. It, it turned into a speed shoot and I threw a mic on a head box and that mic is what cost me the high overall. Mm. I finished second by like a couple points and you know, the mic's 15 basically. Yeah. So yeah. And then I won it in 14 and then in 15, I, I won a lot of big matches that year. That was my breakout year. I, I feel that was definitely my breakout year. So did you, do you think people underestimated you in 14? And then when you hit the, when you hit it in 15, they were like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, I definitely would agree with that because I was that guy in 13 where I had, I had trained so much that I honestly didn't want to get on the plane to go to nationals. Um, I had lost the drive to train, but I had gotten that far. And that was the, the goal was to get to nationals and have a good performance. But the problem for me was I didn't even have a full year in the sport. And so I had created all of this gun handling skill, but I had no match skill. I had shot two majors in my entire career. I shot the Ohio state championship in Michigan. I had never shot an area. I'd never shot another, I hadn't shot a level two or level three. Like, I mean, I just, I hadn't shot anything big, anything hard. And so you get to nationals and you're like WTF, like this is some, this is some shit. And it was in, it was in St. George and the range out there is gorgeous, but I didn't get out of my head when it came to shooting until like the last day with one or two stages to go. And I actually had a stage win that held up until super squad shot it in the afternoon. And then I still think it was like a top 15 finish on that stage which I was okay with because back then I didn't, I didn't have any match experience. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was uh, eye opening. Um, I came home. I didn't touch the gun. I put the gun in the safe. Um, I take that back. Our, my local club that I train at, they did, they used to do a monster match in October. And so it was the end of October, they did it around Halloween. It was a bunch of steel and they would paint it up different colors, whatever. I shot that match and then I put the gun in the safe and I didn't touch it until like April or May. I took all winter off and I didn't have a desire at all to touch the gun until then. Um, and 14, I told myself I wasn't going to take it serious. And it was kind of funny that I told myself that because I just had no expectations. I just didn't care. I wanted to shoot because shooting was fun. That's what I got into it for. I didn't want to make it a job again. And then I really started getting the bug to train hard, like towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. 
And then that was when the infinity thing happened and Hornady and a few other things. And then, and then I pushed really hard all winter and came out. I feel like I came out pretty strong in the beginning of the year. Well, that's excellent. And yeah, now you're sitting up there always in the top. I mean, what last year alone, I'm looking at scores. You came in sixth, but during what the end of day two, right before the end of day two, you were projected on competitor to win, you know, to win the match. Yeah. So, um, I had a, I had a rough first stage and got that out of my head. And then I really just was like, you know what? You might be at nationals, but it's no different than, than a club match every day. That's all it is. It's, you know, six or eight stages every day and just treat it like a club match. And I did, and I, I just wanted to just go have fun and shoot the gun. There was a lot less pressure with being under the new team and flying the new colors. And, and um, at the end of day two, I never look at scores while I'm shooting there's a lot of people that do. And, and, and I'm not one of those guys, but at the end of day two, uh, John, John Vlieger walks up to me in the safe area and I'm putting my gun away. And he's like, uh, have you looked at scores? Like, Nope. He's like, you probably want to. I'm like, no, I don't look at scores. And he's like, well, here, let me just show you. And he holds his phone out. And I was in second down 10 to JJ. And I would have not projected that at all. I, I just, I wouldn't have. Hmm. Um, and then I don't, I don't know how far through the day on, on, uh, on the second day on Saturday, um, I took the lead over. Um, but I, I felt really good going into Sunday, <clears throat> had a few little mental errors that ended up taking me out of the hunt. And then I had a mic on the last stage that, that definitely killed me from the top, uh, basically a podium finish. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I feel like I have the ability. I feel like I, I most of the time I'm always in the hunt. Um, those guys at the top are a different group of people. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they are They're a well, different I, breed. Well, and I look at like your percentage, like you, you would think, you know, everyone says, Oh, you doesn't Charlie's and Delta's don't matter in my, major. But I guess when you're at the top, it really does because your guys is alpha to Charlie ratio. Alpha Charlie Delta ratio is insane. Like, like single digits on everyone on the top, the single digits, you know, on Delta's it's crazy. It's like, you know, because they're absolutely unacceptable in any part of the sport, I feel now. And how many stages did we shoot last year? 24, 23? 22. 22? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, – I'm at the point now where I treat deltas like a mic. I, I'm, I get – like, man, I had a delta at a club match yesterday, but it was weekend 25 yards and I was still mad at myself. I dropped two Charlies and one Delta and everybody was like, man, that's awesome. I'm like, no, I had a D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. D, D's but are bad. I don't like them. Yeah. Thanks everybody for stopping in the middle of this awesome conversation. with My good friend, Mr. Andrew Hyder. Um, This is the hundredth episode, as I said, and it's a special one. We always are. We're going to do a giveaway again because we hit hundred. I mean, I can't believe that we're actually at a hundred, but there's going to be more details to come on the giveaway. Just make sure that you at least have to do three things for sure. You got to make sure you follow me on Instagram, like the post of, of the hundredth episode with going to be Mr. Hyder's picture on there and comment below something you like about the podcast or just comment below just so uh, I'm going to track it. And then it's going to run for two weeks. So this is going to go up on five, one, the first day of limited optics. Um, and then it's going to go for two weeks and then I will pull all the, pull all the people and we're going to go live and announce some winners of the prizes. Um, more for the prizes are going to be coming later as I'm still wrapping some of that up as I edit this podcast to get this out for you guys. But 
Anyways, the title sponsor of the podcast, Go Fast, Don't Suck. He's got new banner material, guys. It's awesome. It's on its way to me. It's a mesh banner material. Um, so you can, if you're running a match, you can see people behind it, but you still get the effect of marketing and advertisement for your sponsors. Uh, it's great. Um, if light passes through it, you're going to be able to see behind it, but you still see the logos and everything. If there's no light, you, you just see an awesome banner like you would normally. So check them out. Go fast. Don't suck.net. Um, order them for your match so you can use them. So check them out. Um, new banner material from go fast. Don't suck. Um, tell them any sent you anyway, hunters HD gold. Brian works the hardest working man in the sports. Um, when I edit this and record this, it, he's at world speed shoot championship and he's working his butt off selling glasses and making everyone love him. Because he, it's just awesome how he is. But anyway, check out Hunter's HD Gold and uh, get yourself a new pair of glasses. Can't forget my friend Jason Butterson at DominateDefense.com. Use the code MANNYTALKS10 for 10% off a Mach 1 speed belt combo. You'll thank me later. Just so you know, Mr. Andrew Hyder uses one too. Um, So check it out. <laughs> Best belt in the business, in my opinion. They're going to last four to five times longer than any double alpha premium belt. Just uh, thank me later. Don't forget, DivTechShop.com, my friend Nathan Diley's company over at DivTech. They're going to have awesome 3D printed magnets. I know that I like them and love them. They're awesome, lightweight, and strong. So go check them out. Use the code MANNYTALKSHOOTING for 10% off your whole order there. That's that's a pretty nice deal, and you, it's, it's awesome. Just go get a magnet. Um, if, you, if you ask nicely, you might get a custom logo on your magnet cover. Can't forget, run over to LaughingLow.com. Because I'm running on, like, no sleep, and I'm very tired. But anyway, laughingload.com, guys. Go check them out, and it's going to be awesome. You can get my official shirt, the Manny Talk shooting shirt. Um, you can get the AFT agent shirt. You can get some Supreme Division shirts. So go check them out, guys. They're awesome, and you're going to like their quality, and they're fantastic. So go check them out. Get my shirt. Wear it. Tag me in it. <laughs> Don't forget, Target's USA manufactures the finest steel targetry on the planet. I say it, Steve Anderson says it, so it must be true, but go check out Jason Wood at Targets USA. Um, Rhino Knockdowns, Target Stands, you know, Holy Monkeys, Swinger, whatever you want, he's got it. So go check him out, TargetsUSA.com. We can't forget Range Panda, um, RPG2, Eric Steiner, Johnny Giordano, fantastic company, fantastic shooters, and fantastic products. I know they are supporting the giveaway. I just got to get the verbiage right, so when I launch all the awesome prizes in there, uh, you'll know what's coming from Range Panda. But um, let's see. I can't forget uh, Chili Custom Gunworks or ccgunworks.com, guys. Go check them out. Get your best grips. Get awesome parts for your gun, frame mounts, magwells, you know, triggers, anything you want. You want a custom build by your builder made? Tell them to use Chili Custom Gunworks parts. They're fantastic. Uh, we can't forget uh, Tim Heron Shooting. He got me on the map of shooting. So go check a class out with him, timheronshooting.com. Save yourself 10. I can't save you any money. But check out the schedule because you need to. Um, get in, get in there quick. If you want to host a class, better get with them super quick so he can get you on the books. Uh, can't forget outdoor dynamics, um, manufacturers to find competition ammunition. So you can, don't have to pull the handle. I don't know what Steve says, but it's awesome. Go check out target to it. Um, outdoor dynamics. God, it's going to be a long day doing this, but anyway, outdoor dynamics, use the code Manny M A N N Y for 5% off your total order. Um, and it just shows John that I'm doing a good job, but anyway, check them out. Nine millimeter minor, nine millimeter major. You know you want the major because it's spicy. But um, go check them out. Use the code Manny. Um, also, we got Summit City Bullets coming on. We've got uh, the code MTS ten percent sign. So MTS ten percent sign to get ten percent off your whole order at Summit City Bullets. One fifteen, one twenty four, one thirty five, one forty seven, and one sixty grain nine millimeter four ojectiles in your favorite color of choice. 
Uh, per- preferably, I like the 125 grain projectile. Well, 124 grain projectiles from them. And they're awesome in green because green's fantastic and I love green. <laughs> but anyway, that's the sponsors of the podcast, guys. They're, they help support me. They help support the business um, end of this so we can make this all freaking awesome. So go check all of them out. Um, there'll be more inter- information on the giveaway shortly. But just remember, like this post on Instagram. Yeah, like it. Follow me. And uh, leave a comment. Duh. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough weekend for me. If you've been paying attention to the socials, you'll know why. Uh, but anyways, guys, let's get back to the awesome conversation with my good friend, Mr. Andrew Heider. But so, you know, like we've talked, you know, you're a freaking amazing shooter. I'm not tooting your own horn. You're, you are my friend, but I'm not tooting your own horn. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate but, uh, that. But so like you're talking, you know, you're, you finally, you, you're flying the new colors. Did you ever think you'd be wearing green though? No, no, I honestly didn't. Um, I, I didn't see myself ever wearing, wearing green. Um, but my dad's favorite color is green. And so when, when I took the new deal from MPA and I got my jerseys from Techwear, my dad was like, okay, that's awesome. I'm good now. I'm like, why? And he was like, don't get me wrong. I, it's not that I didn't like the red or the black and white, but he was like, or the blue, but he was like, the green's where it's at. Mm-hmm. So does dad have a shirt yet? um dad's got uh like t-shirts and stuff he doesn't have a jersey yeah well just give him i mean he's probably the same exact size as you so you just give him an old one when you get your new ones right i could i could probably get away with that yeah he's not much bigger than i am his beard's a little longer though uh it it is i think it's about to come off though like i just chopped mine off yeah i mean you just cleaned it up it's getting warmer now you don't need to keep all that fuzz on there well now you can see like i have a neck like before like you couldn't tell Oh, I guess we haven't said this. Okay, first time, uh, you're okay with me sharing the story of how we actually met, right? Oh, yeah, go for it. I don't care. Okay, so anyway, um, so if any listeners cared, I took a mental management course with Steve Anderson. You know, I was like, I hit him up. Hey, Steve, I want to do this. He's like, okay, cool. All right, we'll set it for this weekend time. And I'm like, okay. He's like, just so you know, there's going to be one other guy in it. I'm like, okay, cool. And I meet, I'm on there where it's like, oh, he's having some issues. I think it was the same iPad issues, by the way. Yes. (laughs) But, uh. So I get on here and it's like, oh, I was like, oh, hi, Andrew. And having no idea who Hyder is here, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And, you know, and he's got this long beard down to here or something. I'm like, oh, I think he's going to be really tall. So then I go and meet you like in July of that year at Ryan Rocks. And I'm like, this motherfucker's short as shit. <laughs> he's the smallest guy. Ever. I'm like 5'8 on a good day. Yeah, that's okay. I feel okay because that means we're the same height. But just, you think if you're going to um, imagine people by height, by beard, you'd think he'd been really tall and really big, but no. So, yeah. And when he means really big, like at one point in time, my beard was like mid sternum. Mm-hmm. It was really long. I'm not sure why I ever let it get that long, but yeah. Did you ever try braiding it? I never did. I never did. And and I really, I didn't dislike having the beard that long. It was a lot of maintenance. The turning point for me about shortening it up was, so I don't race anymore. Um, I still have, I have a street bike. I have a Harley street glide, but I still wear a full face helmet when I ride. And when I rode and the beard was so long that it came up in front of the visor and I couldn't see, that's when I was like, okay, it's got to go. I can't mm. do this. Yeah. Do you still give uh, Anderson um, bike riding lessons? Um, I don't think he wants my bike riding lessons. He's we we did trade. I did I did give him one or two of them, and he he was. Uh, I remember at one point in time we were on one of one of his favorite roads around here, and he uh, 
he looked down at the speedometer. I think he, we were doing 80 or 90 through a corner and he, he didn't, I don't think he processed it correctly at the time because he went to that, Oh shit, I'm going this fast mode instead of like, no, I'm, this is normal now. And after that, he like really backed it off. <laughs> yeah. Just, you don't know when you're going that fast. Cause well, you know, it's one of the, it's just that speed inoculation thing, right? Like when you're going through a stage, right? You just feel like oh, it's yeah. going so slow, but you're like, what? Five seconds. What the fuck? <laughs> yep. I had one of those the other day at the Michigan sectional back uh, on, yeah, back on the 15th. I was like, I made sure it's like, are you sure that's the right time? Are you sure you got the right time? Cause it didn't absolutely did not feel fast at all. They're like, yeah, I'm like, okay. most of the time, those are the ones that are really fast. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, it was one of those, I hit the stop, I hit the stomp box and I'm like, I'm waiting for this target to pop up. Cause it was a drop turner. And I'm like, I waited here for like a second or something. It was like, then I was back going again. I was like, oh, okay. It's, it's, it's funny how our brains process stuff. Oh, 100%, 100%. But, um, I guess I lost my train of thought, but it's all good because I'm going to keep segueing to the, the most things. So, you know, as you, as you're shooting the one true division open, um, as limited optics, this is going to release on the first, right? So limited optics will yep. be officially a thing on the first, which is coming here next week. Um, any, I know you, we've talked, but are you going to dabble with limited optics locally or are you going to still ride the open gun, um, for, as your main squeeze? I'm definitely, so naturally, um, you know, long-term goals are to win a U.S. national title and then there's world shoot in three years. And so I did have a slot for the last world shoot. Um, but after, you know, with my son not being very old, I didn't want to leave the country and I wasn't going to take Christy and Jack's with me. And there was still a bunch of COVID bullshit going on. So I opted out of, I pulled myself off the team, um, of going. And so, you know, I want to make the team again. Um, I want to go to the world shoot and have a super solid performance in three years. Um, of course, the goal is always to win um, not only a national title, but a, a world championship. You know I mean? There's something to be said with, with doing that. Uh, I love IPSC in general. I love the three, two, one platform. Um, not that I dislike the freestyle of USPSA, but it, in my opinion, this is just me. IPSC is, it, it's not that it even levels the playing field, but it is absolutely more about the shooting instead of the gaming. Cause almost everybody, you know, there's only certain things that you can do that are going to out compete your competitor um, other than just speed and accuracy. So, I mean, the last time that I shot an IPSC match was us IPSC nationals. And I believe it was 19 or 20, whatever that was. And I finished third. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, it was um it was a great great match great performance um but i i like ipsic so um but so i'm going to be behind the open gun primarily um i am shooting uh three national championships this year so uh, i'm just southeast of columbus ohio um so there is carry optics nationals that's coming to cardinal um i have a slot i am going to go shoot carry optics because it's in my backyard and why not um, iron sight nationals is coming here. Uh, so I already have limited guns from MPA. Uh, so I'm going to go shoot iron sight nationals here. Um, so I'll put the open guns down for just a little period of time, right before those nationals to get a little tuned up on those guns. Um, but I am going to dabble in limited optics. I've had a gun since the end of last year. I like shooting it. It's a ton of fun. Um, it will be a lot of fun to put it into a match 
pace and see what it does in comparison to open guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still gonna have that nice trigger, and you're gonna rip splits, but it's 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 already there. Mm-hmm. The gun's tuned up and ready to go. It's already got an optic on it and front sight delete kit, and it's all zeroed. And I loaded some ammo for it last weekend, so now I can actually get behind it a little bit. Yeah. Now, I, I guess it's a curiosity. I don't think I've ever asked you this, but you know, you've got your major match ammo. Well, your your major power factor ammo with you know your Hornady caps. Um, are you using a different projectile to distinguish your major minor ammo? No, I just keep them separated in different colored ammo cans. Okay, but I guess that's a good way. The best, probably the best probably. way of doing it. Yep, and the the cans are always labeled. So, like, no matter if I need it. I'll never put anything but major ammo in the major ammo cans. That way I just know that if I stick to that ruling, I mean, if I leave it in a bowl instead of putting it into an ammo can, then at least I know what it is. It's labeled. So I, uh, I just, I have a rule and I use black for all my major. And then um, surprisingly enough, uh, the cans that I use are just the old traditional metal ammo cans mm-hmm. for, uh, for all my other stuff. And then that way you can put tape on it and write on it and peel it off and replace it. It's pretty easy. Gotcha. That makes sense. At least, at least you smart way of doing it. It's like, you know, I'm going to only put major ammo in this can instead of trying to like, what's in it this week. Yeah. 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 I don't want to play that game. I'm not trying to shoot major ammo through my carry gun. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I wouldn't want to do that either. Speaking of carry guns. I mean, you do have a pretty cool carry gun, uh, but we've talked about plenty about, you know, thumb uh, mag buttons. And I think, we, when we came across those, when you told me about that DOS, I think that was money, but which it fits on a carry gun too, because it's, it's not that big. So I run that Dawson low profile button on everything. So it's on all three of my open guns, my two limited guns, my limited optics guns and my carry gun. Uh, I run that same button even on my uh, DS9 flush fit and I appendix carry that gun every day. I think we need to work on the name of that gun, but that's just a personal preference of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with it, though, because they, they do make some pretty cool guns. I'm not going to lie. Um, I have felt like I've, I've played with Wes's gun, and I, just, I wish it was a little more aggressive. I just wish that his grip was the most aggressive grip, because then I could, it's like apples to apples. Yeah, no, I get that. And I mean, they make some really aggressive grips. So, I mean, there's always an option for that. Um, they played around with some tooling and and they make some really cool grips. So there's definitely that option. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you probably, you've got the nice, that carry grip on there. Um, works great with MBX bags. Um, was that grip made around the mag or was the mag made around the grip? So Phil and I actually had a conversation about that grip because he made the comment to me one time that, not a lot of guys were buying their commander guns. And I said, cause the grip's too big. Nobody's going to hide a full size grip. So what they did was they took a full size grip. They basically recut the front of it. And then they got with MBX, they got with Adrian and MBX and they designed a grip that would fit in that. Uh, they got with him designed a magazine that fits in that grip. That's truly flush fit. So you can use a full size mainspring housing, full size mainspring. You're not carrying any, you're not carrying officer type parts. Um, so you can still build the gun with the same parts you're building everything else with, but that mag is truly flush fit with the grip, which I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a big guy, five, eight on a good day, 160 pounds. And I appendix carry that gun. It holds 17 rounds of nine millimeter with an extra mag appendix. And I can carry it in shorts on t-shirt. No problem. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely, which which is awesome. And it's nice because now you're not having to carry, you know, a different firing mechanism platform than your competition guns. So, you know, because you were what, carrying that SIG for a while, weren't you? I was and I have various carry guns, but like, you know, I have a couple different 365s that I put together and uh, 320 and uh, Gen 519. So there's, you know, I have plenty of different carry guns, but it is nice to carry the same thing that you shoot three, four days a week. It's, it's really nice. Right. Now, speaking of that, um, I, I know, you know, time has been very limiting for you to go train, but have you found a new training schedule for yourself in this madness or is it hit or miss for you still? <clears throat> no. So I'm very fortunate. Uh, one of the stores that we own has a range and the store that I'm primarily based out of is where that range is at. And so I, um, there's not a lot that you can do, you know, like Max Clatt has that range that he can shoot basically almost 360 degrees, um, indoors. So I don't get that luxury, but you know, I have three 25 yard bays. Um, so I can set up some hard targets or some partials or whatever, and do a little bit of movement left to right or front to back, whatever. But I try to shoot a hundred rounds three days a week in the morning before the stores open. So if I can shoot a hundred rounds, three days a week, it's 300 rounds. I try to get to the range one night a week. If I can get to the range one night and get a good, hard practice in focus on whatever it is that I, I want to that night or that week. Um, you know, and that can be a 300 round practice. It could be a 600 round practice. It just depends on the night, how early I get there, how well things are going. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you, you're real with yourself, you know, Christy some has, you know, she'll have a long day with the, the boy and you're just like, oh, I got to go home. Like range plans are canceled. I got to go. And, and that's happened. I mean, there've been plenty of times where, you know, I take my stuff to work and, and, um, you know, she's had a rough day and she's like, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, okay, coming home. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't, doesn't affect me at all. Right. And that's a good part of being a, you know, your true partnership, right. You know? You know, you, you deal with each other's burdens and stresses and you, you are, uh, you make it happen. We definitely do. Yep. Yeah. So I know your, your goals, you know, being national and world champion, um, what motivates you every day to get that one, that little bit better each time, you know? Um, I don't know that anyone ever walks away from a stage that's just, beyond happy and has the at least maybe they do and i'm just not wired that way but i always find something that i can do different something i can do better uh be more efficient at um whether it's accuracy is speed it, i mean it's a variation of multiple things but i think the whole from my my standpoint is is trying to perfect me uh be as consistent as i can be make the least amount of mistakes um and really just enjoy the process. You know, I used to look at it as a job and now it's, you know, when you can, when you write it down and you see all the changes that are being made and progression that's done, that's where the motivation comes from is that it's not being stagnant anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess that's good too. Cause you're right. Nobody really looks at a stage that, Oh, I'm absolutely 100% happy with that. There's always something either it's, I didn't look to the right spot. You know, I, I double engaged a target or I thought about it. So I wasted three quarters of a second looking at something there's always something right well chris galnett did that this weekend i don't know if you saw his video that he posted but yeah. literally on camera he's he comes back to a port and realizes he shot that head box and was like oh okay <laughs> picks off again it's like oh well i mean it's yeah. better than 
an FTSA and two mics. Yeah, it is 100%. And, you know, you two have been phenomenal resources for myself. It's always funny because he'll, he'll message me every once in a while and be like, how you doing, man? How's the new gun? I'm like, it's fine. And then you get stuck on the phone with him for an hour or God knows how long. And it's like, don't you have to get back to work? I'm like, no, I'm just wrenching on a car as I'm talking to you. Yeah. He's got a pretty lax boss and a pretty good job. So he's, uh, it, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It is kind of cool. Yeah. So when this comes out, we'll be that next week, that weekend, we're going to see each other because we're, I'm going to, we're both going to be, I'm coming to Ohio. Oh, Ohio. No, <laughs> no, I'll be down. We'll be down at the Buckeye Blast. Uh, that looks, it's going to look like to be a good match and a good opening show for the Cardinal Shooting Center. That range that has, a t- it's it's already come a long way and they have a ton of potential. Um, I'm really excited to see how they finish it up. So Dan Click, uh, Corey, all those guys have done a great job so far of, you know, producing um, a great club match. I know Anthony's involved in some of that too, some Monica, but th- those guys do a great club match. I mean, it's not uncommon to shoot a seven, eight stage club match. Um, and it's it's just a great facility. Um, it's not super far from Columbus. Um, you know, it's 15 or 20 minutes away from Polaris. So there's plenty of places to stay and eat. <clears throat> it's a good facility. Uh, and the fact that they have not one, but two national championships in the same year kind of says something. Mm-hmm. I just told them, I just like, just try to get open nationals there next year. So it's not that far of a drive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that it's back in Alabama this year. I'd like that range, but it would be nice if Open was in Ohio. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's like for me, from my door to the range is three and a half hours. So yeah. I, could, I can leave super early one day and still get there when I need to be there. I don't have to go, be gone a whole day of travel. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, dr- I drove to Alabama last year, and it's like nine and a half or ten-ish from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a horrible drive um i mean honestly by the time christy and i flew there twice we flew there for low cap nationals and we flew there for open nationals not last year but the year before i mean by the time you either fly into atlanta and rent a car and drive or fly into birmingham and then drive where you have to go the whole like get in the airport early and it's almost the same time frame so i just drive and take whatever i want with me and save a lot more money (laughs) yeah yeah, especially when you get on the highway and you can just go. I mean, it would be nice if you had a push bar to just get other cars out of the way. I mean, that would be nice. And and just get like a a a, a pass that says I'm allowed to do this because I said so. Yeah, you can't touch me. Yeah. Exactly. So, um we've talked a little bit about it, but uh, you know, Ohio is is the I'm assuming the Buckeye Blast is your first major of the year, right? It is. It is. I was going to shoot the Michigan sectional, but that was little man's first birthday weekend. So I stayed home and uh, celebrated the big number one uh, for him. Uh, So Ohio is my first major of the year. And how many majors other than nationals are you planning on attending? I actually have that. Um, Give me one second here. Just going to look at that credit card statement with all the transactions on it. Yeah, it's um let me see if I have that. Let me get to my files here. It's a decent number, honestly. Um, there we go. 
desktop. All right, so my match schedule for this year is, let's see how many majors are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm shooting ten majors this year, but that includes three national championships. So seven. I mean, it's not the biggest shooting load ever. I mean, it's funny. No, but to shoot ten majors in a year, um, is still a decent decent amount of, of majors to shoot. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it at least hopefully they're spread out a little bit because I know. I know I'm, I'm going to be at four of those at the same ones, you know, so I'll be at Ohio. We'll both be at area five, Kentucky and Ryan rocks. So, so luckily enough, they're spaced out decently apart. Yep. But I also travel a fair amount for work too. So like, so Buckeye blast is the fourth through the seventh. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm actually out of town may do, do, do. I don't know if I, I leave for work on the third and don't come back until the morning of the fifth. So like I'm, I'm going to be away from a gun away from normalcy for, you know, the three days leading up to, to Buckeye. Um, and then I have to go to Texas for work in June, which is like, so area five is it, June 4th is Sunday. I leave for Texas on the sixth. So like I come home and got to get a bunch of work done before I leave town. <clears throat> um, I shoot, um, I shoot a major the end of August uh, on Sunday and Monday morning, I get on a plane at six o'clock and go to Texas. <laughs> yeah. That's... So there's, there's a lot of other travel in there too, besides just shooting. So. Yeah, that that's for sure. But at least it's is I'm assuming most of it's going to be some trade shows that you have to go to and probably some visiting of clients and uh and some uh manufacturers, so. Uh just all trade shows. Uh I don't actually do much visiting of clients more. It would be manufacturing or distributors um is who I would I end up visiting with. Um but this is all trade show related um or board meetings of some sort, so yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's not terribly that's not terrible then. No. Yeah. Now I'm running through my list. I'm running out. Oh, I guess I can hit some listener questions because we did get some. So, um, <laughs> of course, your buddy Vinny's got to ask. He's got to throw some shade. How does it feel to be beat on a stage from uh, as somebody shooting uh, open minor crotch optics? I mean, he uh, he got lucky. You know, a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while, but it's probably never going to happen again. And he knows it. <laughs> Cause I could send you screenshots of us shooting still challenge together. And he's like, were you shooting minor or major? I'm like, I'm shooting major. And he's like, you're fast as fuck boy. I'm like, I mean, just, you know, just cause you're quick on the trigger. You still got to transition the gun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vinny is hilarious. So I will say that episode's going to come out after this one, the one I did with Vinny. So uh, he's a funny dude. Yeah. He is a funny, funny dude. Yeah, he and it's cool. I I I can't wait to see where his business goes even in the next 5 years. It's going to be nice. Um I I definitely I don't think they're done growing by any means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um your teammate Joey wants to know who's the most attractive member of team MPA? If not me, why? <laughs> <laughs> um 
man. I mean, honestly, you probably have to say say Phil Cashin, the owner. I mean, he's got that nice salt and pepper going on there, you know, that all the all the women seem to like. So, and I and and Joey, I just have to say this, man. This is nothing personal, but I think your shorts are just too short. They're cutting off circulation there a little bit, aren't they? I mean, I would be worried about blood flow to to your boys. No, you're not wrong on that one. <laughs> I don't care if they're stretchy shorts or not. And it's interesting because more and more people are wearing the the super short shorts. I can't do it. I mean, I I have to find. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you and I both do this. We both wear knee braces when we shoot. Now, you don't. You've done it for a long time. I've just kind of come along to this realization. <laughs> I need a knee brace just for the added stability. But yep, I gotta have the right length of short too. It's like you can't have too long of shorts. Yep. Yep. I've been wearing a knee brace the entire time that I've been shooting. I have not had an ACL in my right knee since 2006. So if I don't wear a brace, it's, it can get really ugly for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's a no go. You don't want to do that. No. My phone likes to lock when we do these things. I don't know why. Um, have you actually got to shoot any of the uh, PRS chassis or um, are you planning on doing any of that? I have not gotten a chance to shoot anything from MPA yet. Um, I have shot some other chassis guns in the past, but nothing from from uh, Masterpiece yet. But I'm sure that's going to happen. I have some time that I'm going to get down to Georgia uh, this summer and do some filming with them. And uh, I'm pretty sure Phil's going to get me out behind a, a bolt gun. Yeah. Yeah, there you know. You never know. You just go take it and go on a hunt and something and go, go clean. I wouldn't be opposed off. to that. Yeah. Now you've gone on. You went on. How many hunts did you go on last year? Um, last year was just one. I went on two the year prior. Mm -hmm. So the year that they postponed the world shoot for the first time, I was actually in South Texas. We were about thirty miles away from the Mexico border, and I was on an axis deer hunt at that time. And then December of that year, I went on a trophy buck hunt in West Texas. Um, and then this past October, I went on an antelope hunt in Wyoming. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You got to go out and uh, you, did you collect one that one? Yeah, so I, I got um, <clears throat> I got all the axis meat back and I actually just got the mount back for it. Um, last week, uh, they dropped it off at the shop um, and I, ha I already have the trophy buck mount from that same year and then my antelope is getting shoulder mounted as well there you go that's pretty cool and i, I got the meat back from the axis and I, I already have the meat from the antelope um the meat i actually harvested the trophy buck and two does that weekend um that i was in west texas and i donated all of the meat to an organization down there that actually feeds some shelters around uh the holiday time so i donated all of that meat yeah, and some it's probably just not very easy to get back, you know, take get it back from Texas to Ohio either. Yeah, it it I mean, when they then they ship my meat back to me from Wyoming, it's in basically a straight truck that's just a reefer, it's a refrigerator. And so it's all packaged and that's what the companies do is just drive around the country and deliver mm -hmm. meat. So, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Now um that is pretty cool. Do you have any hunts planned for this year or not yet? 
No, I, I don't actually think I'm going to go out anywhere. Um, deer season will come in this fall in Ohio and I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to get out. And my stepson, uh, told me not too long ago that he actually wants to, uh, he wants me to take him hunting. So I think that's something that him and I are going to try to do this fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you know, that's kind of interesting too. You know, the stepson is a hell of a lot older than, uh, Jack's, um, uh, is that something you had to deal with, you know, when you, you know, first getting, you know, you know, when you first, you know, you've got to deal with the young man when you first get there, but you've been around what for a while now. So it might be. Christy and I have been together a little over four years. Um, so Gary is 16 now. Um, he'll be 17 this year. Um, so he's, he is a great young man. She did a great job raising him, uh, as a single mother. Um, and then seeing him grow into the man that he is now is, has been, um, it's been rewarding for sure. Uh, it, that doesn't mean it doesn't come with its own trials and tribulations, but uh, um, it, it's been very rewarding to, to see how he has matured into, into a, a nice young man. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, we have, we're, we're very opposite ends of the spectrum. We have a 16 year old and a one year old. So yeah, it's, it's very different. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I bet Gary helps around when he's home. I mean, he's not always with you, so. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is, his, his dad is back in his life now a little bit. And so he does spend some time with his dad and, um, but no, I mean, he, he's a good kid. Um, and, and he does help out when, when we need it for sure. Mm -hmm. oh, that is awesome. Yeah. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we'll get some time at Buckeye to sit down and chit chat a little bit as well. Um, after the match, I'm hoping, I know you're, you know, you want to get home, but we'll see how get your review of the match. I want to feel, cause it'd be nice. It'll be nice to hear what we feel afterwards. If, uh, if we get our, you'll, you'll probably win, but I'll get my ass kicked the whole match, <laughs> but I am looking forward to, you know, this year being able to compare myself to you at at least four of the five majors I've shot. So it's a good metric throughout the whole season for me, at least. So do you have a goal of what the percentage is you want to shoot of me? No, not yet. I just don't want to embarrass <laughs> myself too bad. <laughs> I mean, you got to have an idea. Like, I, I will say this: I hope to shoot at least my classifications percentage worth of you, which isn't unrealistic. I don't feel, but I, I need to not mess up and not, not get in my own head, right? You know, because there's that that is that thing of getting in your own head. You know, as Steve Anderson says, just follow the process and it's going to work out. And, and I do agree with that. Um, that it is a process and you just don't. Oh, it's definitely it. a process for sure. hundred percent. I mean, have you ever figured, have you ever, did you ever have to fight thinking about results? Always. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always did. I, I mean, there are some people that go to the range and they're okay finishing mid pack. You know, they go and show up and shoot because they just enjoy that, you know, shooting the gun and that never excited me. Don't get me wrong. I love shooting. <clears throat> I love shooting guns in general, no matter what it is. Um, but I, I want to win. Like I want to win everything. I mean, I, I want to win every stage. I want to win every match and, and I don't want to just win my division. I want to win high overall. And I know that a lot of guys that shoot open or even limited, I know, I know, I know Joey probably has that same mentality right now as he wants to be, he wants to be high overall with a limited gun. And there's a strong chance that he's going to make that happen. I mean, he's a, he is a solid shooter and he's come a long way in the few short years that he's been in the sport. 
So, I mean, there's, there's definitely the ability to do that. I mean, I've seen it done before, um, but I, I want to win everything I touch. And I would definitely say that if, if you're a top competitor, that probably we all think that way. We never are okay with even second or close second. Like I remember Max Michelle beat me for high overall at area five a couple years ago. And I had one mic and one mic and Max, Max edged me shooting uh, carry optics. That's, yeah, that's a uh, now I get that it's Max cool. Michelle, but at the end of the day, like I was not happy about it. Well, no, it's you shoot, you know, especially I'm shooting a plastic fantastic gun back then compared to a you know, a full race out a full race gun. That's yeah, hurts the pride yeah. a little bit, maybe just a little bit. Oh, it did for sure. Yeah, nobody wants to lose, mm-hmm. nobody wants to lose. Yeah, that's for sure. Now. Um, we're getting near the end of our time. So, so we're both respectful of our, our families and our, you know, you know, busy schedules, but I do have a couple more questions I do want to ask. Um, who are some of your biggest mentors and supporters, not including your sponsors? We'll get to them in a minute. Um, so supporters, number one is definitely going to be Christy hands down. Uh, she has always, I mean, from the very beginning, she didn't know the sport existed. And then once she found out about it, I mean, there have been plenty of times where if I ran into press issues or ammo issues, or if I needed to case gauge while I needed to clean a gun or something like she would, now, of course, this was before we had our, our little one, but she'd come downstairs and, you know, turn music on or turn the TV on and she'd case gauge ammo for me, or she'd help clean mags or, okay, well, I'm, I'll, I'll get food together, like whatever it was. So, so she's, she's always been in my corner from, from day one. And I couldn't ask for a bigger support system than that. Like I'd get done with a stage and be all royally pissed off. And she would be the one that was like, take this away from it because this is the good part. Don't focus on the negative focus on the, on the positive. So for sure, number one, her, um, I don't talk with Steve much anymore. Um, and I think that's just cause you know, life's so busy and he's got a bunch, he's got a, a few guys in his key corner right now. Um, but Steve Anderson was probably a, a very key part in, um, in me becoming a G and <clears throat> winning my first major. There was a lot of things that, you know, we kind of trained together a little bit for, you know, off and on for a year. And so there's a lot of, a lot of good things that came from, from Steve. Um, so definitely, uh, him, um, I, I don't have a, a bunch of people. Um, honestly, the third one I would for sure say, and, and he's new to, to the corner, but I've had some phenomenal conversations with him and that's, that's Travis Tomasi. Um, we had some pretty big heart to hearts before I joined the team and um he's one of those guys that when you tell him something and he believes it he'll tell you he believes it and if you tell him something and he doesn't believe it he won't come out and tell you that he doesn't believe it but he will he'll respond in a different manner and and Travis believes in me he absolutely believes that I have have a national title um within within my my shooting ability mm-hmm. yeah and he's he's one of the biggest people on positively you know in the mental game other than steve you know i think he preaches that a lot even in his own teachings and it's you never see him down i don't i don't think i've ever seen travis tomasi be down on anything we um 
there was an issue that um, that he had been fighting with a gun and it has since been resolved. Um, But he had he had a massive death jam at nationals last year. And. I mean, we're talking at least five seconds, probably of a death jam and the owner of MPA, Phil Cashin, rented a house and the whole team stayed there last year at nationals. And it was, it was a great team building experience. You know, every, everyone was there. David Lau was there, Phil, his daughter, Lauren, uh, Travis, um, uh, Chris Britt, everybody was there. We all had a great time and we were sitting out back and, and uh, Phil was grilling burgers or Lauren or David, somebody was, and, and you could tell he was upset, but you know, I, he never cussed about it. He never threw a fit. I mean, he never, you know, uh, he, he was never accusatory towards the gun or mags or ammo. It was just like, well, we'll figure it out what it is. And, you know, we're going to go back to racing. And I'm like, I, we all need to have that mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it, and it just, it makes the mood better when you aren't like that because no one ever wants to be around, a you know, somebody who's super pissy or, you know, or they let it, let them bother them for the whole day. I know I don't want to be around somebody who, you know, their negativity just ruins like the whole day. Uh, agreed a hundred percent. And I mean, I'm not going to say that I haven't ever been that guy, especially through the the process of, of getting to this level in the sport. I mean, we've all had, we, we've all done things and, and acted certain ways that we may not be proud of, but um, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, if we, if we had a better outlook, even when things do kind of go, um, awry i think it would be better 100 mm-hmm. percent. i agree with that 100 percent. now you know i didn't uh, mm, let me rephrase that no so so we you know we've talked about the people who support you and your mentors and people who've helped push you to be who you are and help you be there but the sponsors you know you have teamed up with plenty of awesome companies throughout the year and have great relationships with them now um who are the you know obviously mpa is the you know your biggest sponsor currently but uh i know you've got plenty of other ones that you need to share about so go ahead so, um, second, and, and these are not in any specific order. It's just as they come to me. Uh, so I've, I've been shooting for Jason Hornady for seven. This is my eighth year for him. So I, I was brought on team Hornady in 2015. Um, so Hornady, um, of course has always done my jerseys. Uh, so they've been a huge support there. Uh, Seymour optics, um, Greg and his wife Tannis have always helped in any way that they could. They're they're a great group of people. If you guys are searching for an optic, I, I'm going to steer you towards them. They're they're great. Um, I, and I've broken everything out there. And I, I mean, these are I'm not saying that they don't break, but I have the least amount of problems out of Seymour Optics. They're they're phenomenal. Um, <clears throat> Isotunes uh, Hearing Protection. They're out of Indiana. Uh, so if you guys have not heard about them, they're kind of a new and up and coming company. Uh, but they um, they make a great quality product and it won't break the bank by any means. Um, it, it's awesome. Of course, hundreds HD gold, uh, Brian, I have, uh, uh, I've got golds and rubies from him. Depends on the shooting situation, depends on what I wear. Uh, but I have, uh, I have both of them from him. Um, uh, NBX sponsors basically the majority of the team. So I'm going to throw them into the mix because, you know, we're, uh, diehard, um, You've got Eric Steiner and Gianni, so Range Panda and the RPG2 guys. Uh, so, I mean, I have uh, I have scope covers. I run their thumb rest. I have bullet feeder stuff from them. Uh, I have a bunch of their other stuff on my reloading machines, funnels, buttons, all that happy stuff. Um, so, I mean, I don't have a NASCAR jersey for sponsors, 
Um, but I have some pretty key people in, in my corner that have stuck by me through, you know, the highs and the lows and, um, are with me for the relationship that I have, not just the performance, um, on the, um, on the range. Mm -hmm. 100%. And that's really how I feel it needs to be is the relationships of the, you know, you grow as, you know, you grow the relationship and it, it benefits both parties. For sure. And I mean, if it's, if it's not beneficial, I remember having a conversation with, with Phil Cashin one time about something and, and I, I, I can't remember what I told him. And, and he said that if you're not doing it to have fun, then, then what are you doing it for? He was like, you're never going to get rich doing this. There's very few people that make a living doing this. And I, I agreed a hundred percent. So mm -hmm. and there's one sponsor, not that I didn't forget about him. I'm looking right at them. And they they really changed my time management. And of course that's Mark Seven. So yes, I shoot for Hornady and I get projectiles and brass from them. Um, but I I have a 1050 that's automated and I have a revolution. And having the ability to turn on a machine and go do something else is a huge advantage, um, especially when you have a little one and you're trying to time manage, you know, being able to load ammo and clean a gun or load ammo and dry fire really, really helps. Mm -hmm. 100%. And, you know, I think, I don't know if it's official slogan, but, you know, they make it so you can do a bunch of other shit while it's loading. I mean, nor do I recommend that you walk away from your press while it's reloading, but at least you know that it's running. <laughs> if you have all the sensors on it and you're set up and you've ran enough rounds through it and you can trust it, I'm not saying you leave the room. But I can guarantee you that almost everybody that's got an automated machine probably turns it on and walks away from it. Yeah. I'll just be my little John Vlieger disclaimer. <laughs> it's like, don't walk away from Not me. recommended. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's on you. You loaded the ammo anyway, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then also, I guess my last question for you is, uh, where can, if people want to get a hold of Mr. Andrew Hyder, where can they do that? Or what's the best place and how to do it? I'm on the normal social media outlets. So I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, I don't have a Twitter or anything like that. I do have a TikTok that has one video on it. I don't, I need to do better at posting stuff like that. Um, but uh, uh, I'm on all the normal stuff. So, you know, if anybody's got questions or, you know, you want to talk gear or guns or whatever the case might be, just shoot me a note. I'm uh, as mentioned plenty of times during this, I do work a ton, but I also live on my phone. So I do check it, you know, pretty often. And uh, if I can get back to you guys, I will absolutely do it as soon as possible. Well, Andrew, brother, thank brother. Thank you for coming on and make this hundredth episode. Fantastic. Um, I appreciate, appreciate you having me. No, we, we, we knew this was going to happen at some point, but it had to be special. It had to be episode a hundred. So. Well, and I, I mean, I, I, it's great to be a part of that. I mean, I know you've been doing this now. It's a, a 99 times before me so to be kind of that uh that turning stone is kind of cool mm -hmm. absolutely 100 and you know it's nice as our friendship has grown over the past couple of months and you know when we from where we first met to where we are now is leaps and bounds yep. different and I, I can't thank you enough for your friendship and your time uh i know i've called you plenty of times dude i don't know what the fuck i'm doing wrong <laughs> <laughs> but it's a we always work through it exactly we do that's that's for sure but uh thank you again brother um we'll have to do it again at some point probably in the near future so absolutely yep i look forward to it excellent and listeners until next time guys get out and do the things and i will see you on the next one